Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The CDC has issued a warning about malaria, which could be catching medical experts off guard. If that person presents an urgent care with a fever, the people there might not even know to think of malaria because the person hasn't traveled. So they might assume that that's not on the table. The outbreak is unlikely to make it to Michigan. But that does not mean we're in the clear. This is the Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. For the first time since 2003, malaria has spread among people in the United States. According to the CDC, who put out an alert on Monday, there are four cases in Florida and one in Texas. Doctor, what don't we know right now? What are the things that leave us scratching our heads? What are the things that we still need to know, need to find out? You know, really right now, what we don't know is how these cases have sprung up locally in Florida and then also in Texas. The CDC doesn't think that they're linked at all. So they don't think that a mosquito flew from Florida to Texas or Texas to Florida. We do know that there's evidence that infections spread locally. So what's not known is how did the malaria get there in the mosquitoes in those areas? For example, you know, like within Florida, how did malaria land in the mosquito there in Florida? Did the mosquito bite somebody that had come from, you know, abroad with malaria and then bite somebody else? Or did it come there some other way? So that's actually still being traced. That right there is the voice of Dr. Leah Monday. She is an infectious disease specialist at the Detroit Medical Center. It is not unusual to have malaria cases in the U.S. Travelers return from other countries carrying the disease. In 2019, which is pre-COVID, Dr. Monday said there were about 2,000 cases. What's the big deal right now with five cases? If there were 2,000 cases a year, you know, pre-COVID, why are we paying attention to these right now? It seems like a drop in the bucket. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just trying to figure out why the CDC is speaking up now. Traditionally, those cases are people that are coming in from travel. So, you know, the danger of cases being transmitted locally is if that person presents to, say, an urgent care with a fever, the people there might not even know to think of malaria because the person hasn't traveled. So they might assume that that's not on the table. So really, if someone's going to get sick from malaria, they need to be treated with drugs that they normally wouldn't get. And somebody would never know to give those to them unless they thought to get the blood smear. And they wouldn't think to get the blood smear if the patient didn't travel normally. And now we really need to rethink that thought until, you know, this dies down. So I mentioned travelers usually bring the disease into the country. That's why Dr. Monday and others are alarmed. The cases in Texas and Florida don't seem connected to travel. I spoke to another infectious disease specialist, Dr. Anthony Ogin from McLaren-Macomb. He says there is another way. It's called airport malaria. 
your plane lands in middle of Africa or someplace and the doors are open and people are getting on the plane and they're going to fly to the United States or they're going to fly from some country. Well, a mosquito carrying malaria, you know, goes in through the front door, goes in through the cargo hold. So it happens this time of year. Mosquitoes get on the plane and then they land in a big airport. I actually had a case of this about 20 years ago in Detroit. So they land at the airport, then they open up the doors to the plane, they leave the plane, and then they're uh, hanging out by them at the airport, and then they finally find somebody to bite. Now, if you are infected with malaria, and some of your mosquitoes that can transmit malaria bite you, then they can transmit it to a few other cases. That's probably how it got into the United States, because we just don't have malaria in, in America anymore. When we talk about malaria, clearly it is a two-pronged story. Certainly it's about a spreadable disease that can be very dangerous. But it's also about mosquitoes, something we know plenty about here in Michigan. Well, we have about 65 different species of mosquitoes in Michigan, and they're quite diverse. We have some that only bite birds. We have one species that only bites frogs, and it even locates frogs by the sound that the frogs make. Um, then we have many species which are broad feeders. They'll bite people, they'll bite horses, dogs, wild animals like deer, raccoons, etc. And interestingly, we have some of what we call our northern species, which are really adapted to sort of cooler or cold temperatures. And then we have southern species, which are really the species in the southern part of our country, which have their northern limit, which reach us too. So we have quite a bit of mosquito diversity. Few people know more about mosquitoes than that man. That is Dr. Ned Walker. He's a professor of microbiology and entomology at Michigan State University. He says part of the reason there are so many mosquitoes here and across the U.S. is because they've literally learned to live with us. They are very good at colonizing places that human beings build. Street catch basins, water treatment and sewer uh, ponds and lagoons are commonly colonized by mosquitoes. One very common part of the built environment right now are called detention and retention ponds. And these are places that catch and channel water that lands on like, you know, the large parking lots around an apartment complex. Regulations require that places like that that have these impervious surfaces, when water, rainwater lands on those, it has to be channeled into a detention pond. And mosquitoes colonize those very readily. And we have more and more retention and detention ponds built by people the human beings are very good at providing the places where mosquitoes are produced and also sheltering them, ironically. Dr. Monday told me that these days, 90% of malaria cases occur in Africa, but that wasn't always the case. In fact, Dr. Ogin says Michigan has quite the malaria history. The CDC was formed in the mid-40s to eradicate malaria from the United States of America. That's what its whole objective was. Basically, what they did is they killed off all the mosquitoes that carried the malaria. We've been uh, basically malaria-free since the 50s. In Michigan, we were known as the malaria capital of the Midwest, if not the country. And Lansing was the target area, man. That place was a mess. When Michigan State opened up in the 1855, they actually had to shut the school down a couple of times because of the malarial outbreak. What they did in Michigan, we drained all the wetlands. And what you're going to find in Statistically, we have half the wetlands that we had in the 1850s because they drained all the swamps. So that's basically how Michigan got to control our mosquitoes 
in our malaria. Plus then you introduced DDT in the late 40s and 50s, and that pretty much put the KBH on the malaria carrying mosquitoes. Is the malaria outbreak going to spread to Michigan? The odds are extraordinarily low. So nobody should go into a malaria panic around Metro Detroit. But that does not mean we should ignore mosquitoes or simply dismiss them as a nuisance. I wonder if this is a good reminder for us that we should pay attention to mosquitoes and the dangers they harbor too. I'm not trying to panic anybody, but you know, it's worth thinking about. It's absolutely true. I was asked last fall to speak on a case of really bad West Nile in an otherwise healthy middle-aged man who had been bitten towards the end of the summer and got very sick. And so we see West Nile in Michigan almost every year, including cases in Detroit where people sometimes don't think about mosquito-borne illnesses. You don't need to go hiking in the UP to get bit by a mosquito. So we really all should be cognizant about bug spray and wearing long sleeves, being careful with standing water, tires, things in our yards that are collecting things that shouldn't be there, buckets and sort of stuff that we're gardening with. It's been raining lately and we should be emptying those out and just being careful all the time because there's a good chance that this will never reach its way up to Michigan. At least that hasn't happened yet. However, West Nile is always a concern and we should be keeping our eye out. So what should be done by we citizens to help stop the spread of malaria? Well, nothing really if you're not planning on traveling. But Dr. Ogin says for those that are traveling, a checkup should come before departure. You should always stop at a travel clinic. There's a bunch of them all over the city that you can stop by. They'll get your travel itinerary and they'll tell you what you need to take when you're traveling somewhere. If you need malaria prophylaxis, hepatitis vaccines, it's always good if you're leaving the country you know, and you're going to some of the developing countries, just to go to a travel clinic and tell them your itinerary, what you're doing, and then let them tailor what you need to protect yourself against diseases which are in developing countries. We had a lady who came back from South America, came back with vibrio cholera, which is cholera, and she's semi-infected with a Shigella dysentery. So she had the double whammy. Go, where the heck have you been, lady? Wow. Well, I just went down to Mexico. So people do bring back stuff. So if you're ever leaving the country, and you don't know what you're doing. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, lot of places that have a travel clinic. The CDC's warning is real, and what's happening in Florida and Texas is certainly alarming. But none of it's reason for panic here in Michigan. Though, as we mentioned earlier, West Nile and Eastern Equine Encephalitis can both be very dangerous, and both occur in Michigan. So don't let your guard down when you're outside the rest of this summer. Today's big thanks go out to the trio of doctors, Anthony Ogin, Leah Monday, and Ned Walker. Check out wwjnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark. And this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.